Wow, it's pretty heavy, heavy stuff. Well, God is working, don't worry. He's working in her life. He's working in your life. And uh, God is going to work powerfully. Um, we're doing a series that's entitled, Five Things That God Uses to Grow Our Faith. And the first thing we looked at um, several weeks ago was, He uses practical teaching. He uses the Bible to help us to live our life. Whether it's a, 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 a chapter of the Bible, or whether it's a topical a discussion of the Bible, it's practical enough where you can walk away and say, hey, I'm going to apply this to my life today. The second thing was last week was, He puts people in your life to get His message through to you. Sometimes you come to church and you don't want to hear it, but somebody else, this is the very same thing, and you're like, ah, I get it now. We call those providential relationships. Well, they seem accidental, but they're not. You were met by someone. Someone invited you to church. Someone invited you to the house for dinner. And then here you are learning about God. Today, we're going to talk about the third one. And that's called private disciplines. Okay, I'm going to use the D word today. And discipline is the word. I know we don't like to use that word, but it's a funny thing. Sometimes things we don't do out of sheer discipline become an addiction, sometimes an obsession. You know, my wife started going to this cardio bar thing. Yeah, she's like, you know what? She woke up with, I'm going to start working out. And I'm like, I'm glad she said that. It was encouraging. You know, if I say that, it's a fight. You know, you can't say that, you know, in your house. She's got to be like, hey, I hope she has, does it. And then she's been saying that about me for years, right? So I started playing soccer. And now, I, I, and not just because of the World Cup, but I'm playing soccer twice a week in the morning, and it's fun. And I, I just can't wait for that Wednesday and Friday mornings to go out early in the morning, get up and go play soccer for a couple hours with a couple guys. And it's fun. But Karen's doing the cardio bar. And she comes home like drenched and exhausted. She's like, oh man, I love it. Ah, this, is, this is great. And I'm like, go take a shower. Please. Be great. Um, sometimes you might be a runner. You know, you start running and then you love running and then you start running marathons, right? Sometimes, you know, you know you're a, a kind of guy that goes, hey, I want to I wanna learn how to play, play guitar. So you get the guitar and you're out there strumming every day. You're practicing, hoping to make the band for church, right? You know, some disciplines require... You know, the, the nuisance of dieting. You know, you have to, oh, I'm trying to, not only do I want to work out, but i got to stop eating, you know, Apple Jacks at 11 p.m. at night or something like that. <laughs> you got to stop, you know, eating the, the bananas and peanut butter at night and the ice cream. You're going, i got to stop it. If I'm going to actually be disciplined to lose weight, I've got to maintain a regimen. You know, some disciplines are so rewarding that they become habits. And Karen always tells me, if you do something for 21 days straight, it will be a habit. I'm always get stuck on 19. I don't know why. But it says 21 is the kicker. So, all right. So, point number one is discipline is a, is a, is a bad word. Because we don't like it. It's a bad word, but with good results. It's a bad word we hate. But it has good results. And God uses discipline to grow our faith. Okay? Now, when you think of discipline, you immediately think of doing things you ought to do that you really don't want to do. That's what's called discipline. You know, when I finished college, I, I was lucky to graduate because I hated reading. I couldn't stand reading. Reading was boring. Reading geography books, science books was boring. Okay, and I hated it, so I just, I just tried to get a C. I was just shooting for the C. I could have I gone for the B, but I had no discipline. But now that I finished college, and when I was a Christian in college, my minister said, Gio, 
I want you to start doing the things you hate to do because you are too comfortable. And I said, do the things I hate to do. Like, what do you have to do? I hate reading. And, I, and after that, I hated running. After college soccer, who wants to run? That's what I said. I don't want to run. And now I'm doing things I kind of hate to do, but now I'm actually liking them. I love reading. I especially love reading history. You think history is boring, but history is actually very exciting. And I love reading. I read military history. I read, I'm right now I'm reading you know, the autobiography or the, or the biography of, of uh, Ben Franklin. Benjamin Franklin. It's a thick book. And I'm like three quarters of the way through, I'm going like, I never knew the man. I'm like, how exciting. This is amazing. Our country would have never been our country. He was a pivotal figure. I'm going like, wow, it's amazing. I would have never known that. You know, here are four things that we know about discipline. Four things. Discipline results in progress. Without progress, you know, there's no, there's no progress without discipline. So discipline results in something progressing. Discipline also results, I didn't write it, I didn't put it in there, but it results in freedom, financial freedom, freedom of to do things you want to do, your health, your relationships. It gives you freedom when you're disciplined. Discipline also results in a good feeling. You know, like, like, Karen, like I said earlier, Karen is like, it's, it's a rush for her to come home. She's like, I can't wait to go again. She's like, I'm go, can you watch the kids? I'm going to go work out. I'm like, amen, go, go knock yourself out, sister. Go get it done. Go get it done. Discipline is also beneficial regardless of our attitudes. We don't like it, but we know it pays off. We know if we do it and we stick with it, good results come from it. Essentially, doing what we don't like to do, what happens is it's really another word called delayed gratification. You know, we're delaying what we want through discipline. And it's an important aspect that God will use in your faith. And God wants to grow your faith. He wants you to live as if He is with you and He can and He can be trusted. And that's one of the things that we struggle as human beings in our discipline. There's two areas I'm going to talk about. There's many, but I'm going to hit two. But these two talk about two things that talk about how much trust you have in God. Okay, so take a look with me in Matthew chapter 6. Turn your Bibles there. If you're visiting with us, I have it on the screen for you. He uses uh, people, events, anything to help us. You know, when we think about the very first time you came to church, He used that to grow your faith. The very time you went, went to a house church, you, you know, God uses that. The very time you decided to give and support the, the ministry here in Ventura County, He uses that too. You know, uh, we refer to these as spiritual disciplines, and here is a scripture in Matthew chapter 6 about these things. Jesus says... Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men. To be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. You know, Jesus right here is connecting a private act of righteousness, which is a discipline, in other words. What you do now, He's connecting that with a reward. Later, Jesus does not use the word discipline. He uses the word acts of righteousness. And he's attaching what we do now. There is a reward for what we do. When I work out, my reward is I, my, my pants start to fit better. Right? 
I'm not even wearing a belt today. I'm pretty excited about that. I don't have to keep them up. I'm losing it. I, I wear a, a two waist down on purpose to give me hope. i got to fit into these pants. So I go for it. So he connects these two. He also connects this. So when you give to the needy, you know, one of the disciplines that we're going to talk about is giving to God and giving to the people. So when you give, not if, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees it, well, sees what is done in secret will reward you. He connects a reward with financial generosity. What would happen to your giving if you really believed that God sees it and then rewards it? What would happen to your giving if you believe that? If God sees it and then rewards you accordingly. Now, this is specifically talking about almsgiving. And in that time, it was a custom that happened outside the temple gates. And beggars and the poor would line up outside the temple gates. And people gave as they wished. And some made a spectacle. Uh, look at, oh, you're the poorest here. And they're going into the wall. And they're making this big scene about giving to the poor. And he's talking about that. It's above and beyond what they gave normally to the temple. It was an, an add-on. It was an extra. It was something more. They gave their tithe to the temple. And this was an almsgiving. This is more than that. But some people made a spectacle out of it. Public giving. Some people gave out of guilt. Oh, I better give. Some people gave because they was wanted to sincerely help the poor. And he says, when you give, not if you give. And I want you to think about this. What would happen to your giving if you really believed God sees it and rewards it? Because he says, hey, don't, do, don't make a spectacle. Hey, eat. when you give it in secret... I know it. I know what you're giving. He pays attention to it. One of the biggest topics that's covered in Jesus' time in the whole Bible, New Testament and Old, is our money and possessions. So he says, hey, I'm watching it and I want to reward you with it. You know, and let's just stick with the words of Jesus. What would happen to your generosity? And you're thinking, well, what's the reward? And I would say, does it matter what the reward is? Any reward is good. A reward, for God, a reward from God is really good. And sometimes the reason we don't give generously is that we just don't believe this. We don't believe that God actually looks at it and rewards us. Now, I'm not saying further than you give, God's going to be like, when you get home today, you're going to, you know. But there's a reward. Now, I can't tell you what it is, but God says, I am giving you a reward. I am rewarding your faith. And it's a faith thing. And you don't start believing it until you start practicing it. That's usually how it works. You know, the discipline of giving financially, proportionally is what I call it. In the Old Testament, they call it a tithe. In the New Testament, they call it sacrificial giving. In fact, that was more than a tithe. That was a lot more. I call it proportional or percentage giving. Uh, And it's an important part. 
And we mask it by sometimes by saying, I'll give when I see there's a need. Well, if you give, there won't be a need. That, that's kind of the, my philosophy. And, and, and what you give to God says a lot about what you believe in the ministry you're in. You see, if you believe in the ministry, then you believe in God. Say, hey, we're doing something great and noble here. Now I'm going to show you something on a chart. I want you to find yourself on the chart. Because sometimes when I go out money and I have this concept, it's hard to kind of visualize the concept. So I'm going to give you a chart here. Okay? And you look at this chart, and you look at the left-hand side, and you look at your annual income. This is about what you believe. Okay? Here's a, here's a tie, just to kind of give us a benchmark. Here's, an, here's a household income. Find what you give a week, and then see if it matches your income, and then watch the percentage. Sometimes people are in this range, and they're giving in that range sometimes. 5%. They're giving in a range that's not of proportion. So I'm going to read you an article that I found in the, in the, in the online internet. It's, about, it's from the Christian Post. It reads, The finances of Christians who tithe are generally healthier than the finances of those who do not. According to a new report that takes a close look at the financial, spiritual, and giving practices of people who give 10% of or more of their income away to churches and charities each year. Research compared tithers to non-tithers using nine financial health indicators and found that tithers are better off in every category. Among tithers, for example, 80% have un- no unpaid credit card bills, 74% don't own anything to any cars, 48% own their own home, and 28% are debt-free. The weird thing is, a tither looks at that and says to himself, well, I'm better off because I give. A non-tither looks and says, oh, they give because they're better off. The fifth annual study reveals that 97% of tithers make giving to their local church a priority. And 63% started tithing between their childhood and their 20s. It is also found that 70% give based on their gross income rather than the net income, and 77% give more than the traditional 10%. Quote, never before has this group been studied, and I often think for every pastor and church leader and parachurch leader out there available, if they understand this, we are in the midst of a 40-year decline in the percentage that Christians give. And we need to see a generosity movement in America that Christians re-embrace generosity as a spiritual value, but not for the sake of the church budget, but because of the Bible. Churches have been uh, made giving all about the budget, and it's not about the budget. It's about the Bible, the article says, and I agree with that. (coughs) And it's a powerful statement. This says a lot. Now, right now you're like, oh, geez, why'd you show that chart? I feel so guilty. Okay. The point is not to create guilt. The point is to awaken your faith. Your faith may be lying dormant. Maybe this is why you're you're struggling a lot. Everything that comes across your plate, all the challenges you face every single month, and the way you handle them is about your faith. See, when you're faithful, you're going to be challenges every month of your life. You're going to be faced with something. It's how we handle the challenges. And if you always struggle with challenges, I ask you why. It's a faith issue. And giving is one of the indicators of our faith. Do we really believe God? That's one of them. That's one spiritual discipline. Now, another spiritual discipline is praying. And then under the same chapter of Matthew 6, he says, And when you pray, 
Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they are the received, the reward in full. You know, I'm not talking about I pray as you go type prayers. You know, we like to say that sometimes. I pray all day long. I'm talking about you taking time, intentional time, to go and pray. To go to a spot where you can be, you're not, you're not going to be bothered by a cell phone. Or breakfast is ready. You're going to a spot where, hey, I am going to be intentional about my prayers. That's what I'm talking about here. Not like, I'm just going to pray on the way to work, pray after work. I'm talking about you taking some specific time away and carving it out and praying. These are the get alone type prayers. The kind we don't have time for because we're so busy. You have to cut it out of your schedule and put it there. Because it's so important to your faith and how God uses that to grow your faith. Because you will face challenges. And your prayer life will be an indicator of how you handle the challenge. Do you freak out? Do you get annoyed and angry? And where are you, God? Well, if your prayer life is consistent, you'll be able to handle any challenge. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, again, He will reward you. You make it personal and make it intentional. That's the discipline. Doing it every day. If I were to ask this, don't raise your hands. How many of you guys took some time and prayed today? Here's what some people do on Sundays. Well, I'm going to go to church. And I'm going to get filled there. And Gio's going to give me this lesson. And it's going to be fantastic. But you haven't even started the day with the prayer yet. You're waiting to get it here. And I'm saying, hey, make it a part of your life. Your faith, your walk with God. Not, it's when, not if. And I'm not talking about, you know, these kind of prayers where we just kind of pray and we're just kind of, we're kind of, we're in a hurry, so we're thinking, okay, pray, pray, pray. I got my prayer. I'm talking about just praying through your hearts. You know, I got to pray when I'm praying. I got to pray that when I'm annoyed, I'm telling God, I'm annoyed. That bothered me. This, this makes me upset. I didn't like this. I'm praying real emotions in my prayer. I'm happy. It's exciting, God. I can't wait. God, I'm nervous. I'm not sure what's going to happen. God, I'm anxious. My daughter's going into junior high next year. That makes me anxious. I've prayed about that a lot. Wait, she's she's around eighth grade, eighth graders, and sixth graders. That's a different maturity level. What am I going to do? I'm praying about it. I'm nervous. It scares me. She's a girl. My son, you know, he's he's going to be in fourth grade. He's going to be awesome. I hope. God sees what is done in secret. God sees into your household. He sees into your room. He sees when you get up. Can you imagine that? God sees me in the morning. What a frightful sight that is. That God sees me wake up this morning. There is a reward. And God takes your secret prayers seriously. He takes them seriously. And once again, there's a reward. If you were to ask people who make this the habit of their mornings, the reward is not that they get everything they ask for. It's actually better than that. It is the quiet assurance 
that God is with them. There is a confidence. There is a peace. If you skip it, you might lose that. If you were to ask people who make this the habit of their mornings, the reward is not. That's not why they do it. They do it because of a relationship they have with God. And these are two things that require trust and faith in God. That's why they're so important. These aren't just things that you do. These are that you do them because you trust. You trust God. And Jesus modeled it for us. Jesus was a very busy guy. Not as busy as you, but he was pretty busy. And it says here, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He got up. Left the house with his cup of coffee. Just kidding. And went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Let me ask you, church. Does this describe your discipleship? Is this where you're at? If not, we need to look at the example of Jesus. While He was on earth, He modeled it for us. Praying. We think it's so simple, but we take it so much for granted. But praying is so important. It's a discipline. It requires a daily discipline. But it's intentional and it's personal. You know what He told God? In the, in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane? I don't want to go to the cross and die for these humans. I don't want to do it. It's too painful. But because he prayed about it, he kept praying about it. He goes, you know what, God? Let your will be done and not mine. See, there are times in your life where things are going to cross. They're going to be so difficult, so hard. You're going, it goes against my very fiber. But when you're praying, you're going, God, let your will be done, not mine. That's that quiet assurance. That's that trust that kicks in because you've been disciplined in your walk with God. It's so important. It's so vital. So why did he pray? Well, he prayed to show us how to do it. He modeled it for us. Because this was an expression of dependence. And Jesus depended on God a lot. There are things that we cannot control that happen every day. We just can't control them. That's why praying is an important discipline because we have no control over it. The only thing we have control over is our reaction to the problem. That's it. That is it. When my water heater broke, I was like, why now? When it flooded our floor and it ruined our little floorboards, why today? Why can you do it every six months to do that? Why all in one day? Why did, my, why did my transmission break the same week as my water heater broke? Why, Lord? Quite assurance, okay? God is testing me. He's testing what I really value. Those are, those are nice things, but not, they're not the most important things. Hot water for my wife is very important, so I had to get that fixed, right? Kids need hot water. But it's that quiet assurance. You know, sometimes I find myself, when I'm faced with a challenge, my nature is to solve it without praying. I have a solution, but I'm not going to pray because I have the solution. Because I'm very practical in my nature. And what happens was, when my solution doesn't work, it then frustrates me. And then I go to God in prayer, and I'm doing it actually backwards. 
when I should go to God first, try my solution, it doesn't work, okay, there's going to be another way that God's going to show me. That's, what it, that's what, how it should play out. But I always reverse it at times. It's kind of funny. I'm like that. But nobody can tell you to pray. You're not going to get a phone call from me. I'm not going to text you or Facebook you or message you saying, did you pray today? You're going to have to do that on your own if you want to mature. If you want to remain immature, if you don't want to grow at all, then you're going to need someone to call you every single day to remind you to pray to God that you committed to Him. Okay? And I think when you become a Christian and you're new, those things are important. But as you grow up, you have to decide that I'm going to pray today. I'm going to walk with God today. You have to make those decisions. Because time alone with God and time alone in the Word, it informs your faith. It informs your... When you read the stories, when you read this, it informs you like, man, I can do this too. And we have an advantage over Jesus at this time. We have the Bible. We have the Word of God. But we also have a challenge ahead of us. Here's my challenge to you. Discipline requires a pre-decision. You have to decide ahead of time. You know, if you're going to go run in the morning, early in the morning, you kind of pre-pack your stuff, your running shoes, your shirt. Today we're going to go to Burns' house of a barbecue. I know it's dusty over there. It's dirty over there. So I got my, my, my old tennis shoes, an old shirt, pair of shorts, and an old t-shirt. Because when I go there, it's like, it's like a dust bowl. So I had to be disciplined this morning and make sure that it was put away so when I take it. You know, when you pack your bag to go to, or pack your lunch bag, and you want to eat right, you pack it right. You pack it the night before, you wake up early, or you make it. It's discipline. You know, I want to challenge you to pre-decide your giving and your prayer life. Give God your first dollars and your first minutes of your life. Give Him that. That's what He wants. That's the discipline. Your first minutes and your first dollars. That's what He's asking of us. That's what He's called us to be. But why do we resist so much? Why do we fight God so much? Because it's a faith issue. Giving exposes our faith. And praying informs our faith. That's why there are two important disciplines. And each is a way that God develops our faith. When we pray, that tree, it grows and grows and grows. And when you plant a tree, you don't fertilize it, and you don't prune it, it'll never grow. Think about the things you see in nature are the very things that God uses for our spiritual growth. It's no different. The question is, are you going to do it? So I want you to think about this chart that I put up, not to guilt you, but to inform you. Inform your faith. Do you trust God? Do you believe in our ministry? Because it will tell you a lot. There's a lot of things that we need to accomplish for God in this area. There's a lot. There's churches to be planted. There's, there's campus ministries to be developed. There's leadership to be raised up. There are so many things we have to do. But the, we only can go as far as our faith takes us. If our faith is stuck low, we can't do very much. Jesus, when He went into His hometown, they didn't believe in Him, and there were very little miracles there because people didn't believe. So I want to encourage you and challenge you about two things. One is you're praying, and one is you're giving because God uses both of those to help your faith grow.
Thanks. Have a great afternoon. And go USA.